And welcome to the Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn, and together with me today is Brody Gazay. Hi, Brody. How are you faring? I'm faring very well. How was the heat? Very hot. Well, it was Extremely dreadful. Extremely hot. Yes, it was. It was dreadful. So I just put myself on Mount Martha Beach and stayed there. Well, and I was, I, I, I was, I was sitting there, and, and I was seriously saying to myself, you know what? If I was in a retirement village at this particular moment in time, mm-hmm. I would be cool, I would be comfortable, I'd have a gin and tonic, and I wouldn't be worrying about anything. That's exactly right. And 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 I, it seriously went through my mind. Why why am I in this bloody great house with? Uh, one air conditioner because we didn't believe in it for that <laughs> inexplicable reason when the planet is quietly roasting. Mm. So anyway, that's it's it is kicked off the discussion. We just we we survived it though, didn't we? We did survive it. Yeah, we did survive yeah. it. Now I'm, I'm making a promise to you. Yes, mm. I uh, listened to the show last week. <laughs> I actually wrote to the management. Did you really? I did. I sent a message to the what management. What did management say, Brian? And I, I said to the management, will you please shut up that bloke who is on the desk? He never stops talking. It's not about him. It's about them. Okay. So I'm going to... Point taken. And I was suitably spanked. <laughs> oh, really? So I'm going to write again and again. <laughs> anyway, show today. What have we got? Yes, well, we've got um, two of our best friends here today. We have Tom Camp from Encore Living and Peter Nilsson from the Village Glen. And Stuart is, hasn't graced our company today, has he? No, no. the heat got to him. He, he is, yeah. <laughs> he's currently <laughs> chilling down. And so we're going to hear a bit of history today from the boys. It's about time. It's about That's time. a good song, actually. It, it's, uh, what? It's about time. It's about time, John uh, Denver. No, no, it, it is because uh, it, it, uh, the Village Glen is, was one of the early starters, it so was. I believe. So yes, I'll, I'll and I yeah. delve into that. And what, then in our second guests for the day? Our second guests for the day, about they're going to talk to us about mobility and, um, you know, equipment and things for oh, aged That's people. really cool. Yeah. You're talking about mobility scooters yes, and stuff. Yes, yes. Oh, you'll love that. Yes. Oh, we had um, back-to-Baja races one time at one of my villages. I Did had you? them racing up and down the street in those. Oh, okay. flags on the back. It was fantastic. We got in the newspaper yeah. as well. Sounds fun. That was really cool. Well, so, you, you didn't hear any of that because he hasn't been introduced yet because I haven't run my piece of music. Oh, I'm so sorry, Brody. See what uh, happens when you let me talk too much. <laughs> I need a little bit of help from my friends. <laughs> Get a lot of help from my friends. Master Thomas, <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome, Tom. Welcome, Peter. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Great How did you, you survive the heat? In the pool. Oh, you did? Mm. Yes. Actually, I was at Mount Martha Beach as well. Well, I didn't see you there. No, well, there was lots of people. <laughs> there were a few hundred thousand, weren't but, there? Uh, we all look much better today for the tan. Yes. And Brody. Mm-hmm. Encore Living Village residents had their gin and tonics and were living in very cool houses. So did this resident had a gin and tonic too? (laughs) Mate, it was really good. Nice. Pete, all your gear worked. We had no issues on site. No, no. No. Houses went really good. Do you have swimming pools at the villages? Absolutely. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Not not heated? Yes, heated. Oh. Indoor. 
okay. I have a heated pool. Do you? But unfortunately, the computer that controls the heat <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> so it supplies water out of the outlet at about 98 degrees Celsius. <laughs> oh, no. And so you get in the pool and there's n no change. It's just like getting into thick air. Oh, no. It, it's awful. Not fun. Anyway, I'm shutting up. Mm. Okay. Right. Otherwise, 40 years. otherwise you can write to the manager. Yes. But so, Peter and Tom, you've got an interesting story to talk about today. Well, yes. I, I have been reflecting about our industry, and let's go back to 1978. Wow. Back in 1978 was when the village really started, mm -hmm. um, and it took us a couple of years of construction to make it ready for our first resident, which in October 1980 was our first resident. But back then, when I checked the records, um, retirement villages were a pretty new concept, particularly the lifestyle-type village. Uh, yeah. Prior to that, most villages were run by the church and charitables and Salvation Army and others, and, and that was more affordable housing for older people. It, it wasn't a lifestyle it was, product. Yeah. Um, so there were a number of uh, innovative operators, Chaz Jugson being one of them, who c commenced their villages back in the mid-70s to late-70s. Was that his first village? Yes, right. the first one. Um, prior to him, I think the, the Australian retirement communities were prior to Chaz, um, and the village Baxter had started, but there weren't a lot of villages around. There could maybe... Well, you can probably count on your two hands the number mm. of villages in Melbourne, if, wow. if not less. Okay. Anyway, so when I ref look, check our records, back then the move into a retirement village uh, was a lifestyle choice. Um, it, and it was made by people, and our average age of entry back then was 65. Mm. So back, so 1978, 79, 80, the average age of entry was 65, and people came for the, the lifestyle offering, which, which, which was to live in a community of people of like interests and like minds, and came for the security of just being in that community. And, and over the next, you know, 10 and 15 years, the industry slowly grew and developed. And I, I think a, a watershed moment for me was around about 2000. In 2000, the Village Glen started what we called Stage 4. Um, and at that stage, we had um, 298 fillers. And our Stage 4 was the new style of product. And the average age of entry then was 70. So it had gone up from mm. 65 to 70. Yep. And people were coming then for the lifestyle and the care. Health became an issue for yes. the older people at the 70-year-olds. They were starting to think about health issues. Mm -hmm. And villages, most villages have a health offering, be a nurse on call or some on-call system. And back then was when we started to think of the continuum of care model where we had the pathway to aged care on site as well. So, so we went from 1980, if you like, 65 age of entry, lifestyle type choice mm -hmm. 19, 2000 hmm. still lifestyle type choice average, average age of entry has gone up to 70 and people are now coming for other reasons being health mm. and then another watershed moment happened last year in 2017 when the federal government in the previous year's budget decided that they had some concerns about uh, people's wealth um, yep. and the pensions and they changed the income and assets test for pensions, and it lowered significantly. Mm. So back in then, I'm thinking 1980, 
Lifestyle, 2000 Lifestyle and Health, 2017 Lifestyle Health and Financial Security, Mm -hmm. where people are now coming into a village and they're looking... One of the reasons they come to a village is because they know in the village environment, living in a village where there are management, where there are people to attend to their needs for health and otherwise, and there is a structured system about the cost of living and the monthly service fee, which is affordable and it attends to most of their needs. Mm. So it's really the, the industry has developed a long way in the last 40 years, really, to what we now have. So most people who come and see us now are coming and we're advising them to go and take financial advice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we say to people, if you're thinking of changing your residential options, it's a jolly good time also to look at your finances, look at your um, wills and powers of attorney, mm. look at you know who's supporting you, looking how you're going to finance yourself for the next little while because most people now recognise that the government policy is... If you've got a dollar, you need to spend it on yourself and there's a safety net to support you should you not have a dollar. Mm. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening. I, look, I fully concur with that, Pete. I, I would have said um, from a regional perspective that it was really t- the GFC of 2007 and 2008 that uh, finance became such an important part of planning. Mm. Um, Regional Victorians haven't enjoyed the growth, for example, of their assets like we have here in Melbourne. And um, it became very clear that if you want to deliver the lifestyle services, if you want to deliver the health services in an amenity that's sort of modern day, um, and I would suggest the built form's changed a lot since 1980 as well yep. um, because of the nature of the client and the demands they have on the built form. Uh, but I would have said that finance has been a cr- critical part of making sure that whatever you get for the family home combined with whatever super savings and or uh, other uh, assets you have, it's going to have to last you a lot longer than potentially um, what it was in the late 19th century mm-hmm. you know, or 20th century. Mm-hmm. So um, finance, um, which undergirds the lifestyle uh, and uh, the way in which the government government now are looking to plan for what is quite major expense in health, uh, the shift will be over to making sure that individuals can finance their own retirement. And that's really our responsibility as an industry and why we have to keep evolving and changing is because mm. it's not just a social responsibility to make sure that we're delivering you know, affordable but right accommodation for ageing Australians, but also that we actually put together appropriate finance packages to maximise incomes and make sure the money lasts. And we're even talking today and preparing for this that most people, there is a lot of our, there's a large percentage of the population that really will not actually leave anything to their children. Uh, This is all about maximising income streams and making the assets that they have last uh, to make sure that uh, they're looking after themselves. And I think the exciting thing about 2018 is there's a lot of new operators around and a lot of innovation in products so it used to be if i think back once again to 2000 to 1980 um 
it was a little bit, bit like Henry Ford. You can have any colour you like as long as it's black. black. Mm. And there was no there was no options to have different contracts. Yeah, but at the same time, we were catering for a, um, a, a, an age group that had a different value system. Yes. Pete, you know, yeah. we've we've you know the First World War depression mm. babies. That was what we dealt with. That's why yeah. they were quite happy, as Monty yeah. Python would say, to live in a shoebox because they paid cash for everything. They were very frugal. Mm. Mm. We're now seeing the change in, and whilst I don't think we've really seen the the, the big baby yeah. boomer thing that's about to happen it will probably in the next 15 years or so but our catch cry now is where it's all about choice yeah Mm. absolutely the product the product is many and varied in in our sector and the offer is many and varied and all of us are offering different product and different choices within our product to suit a variety of needs if those were the three game changes Mm. and we're up to 2017 what's next yeah (laughs) That's, yeah, was, that's at, what I was going to ask, yeah, Brody. A your, cure for oh, cancer sorry. is next. A <laughs> you, cure you, for no, cancer. Actually, I, I think it's a really good question, Brody, because yeah. I, I think that one of the things that, mm. you know, we, we as an industry pride ourselves in is we are creating good community. Mm. So one of the social challenges we have is to continue to facilitate and have good community in amongst a changing value system. And so we've got this great mass of people that we're dealing with that the way in which they do life, which our facilities and our communities help underwrite, is quite wide and diverse. And if you don't get that right, um, then you may not have, you may not be creating the best lifestyle. And I think that, uh, that is the frontier challenge. We're, 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 I'm but I wasn't being flippant when I said a cure for mm. cancer. Mm. No. The next thing flippant. is, Clearly, a cure for cancer and for dementia, those two issues, yeah, go for it. Yep. if both of those issues, they're on everybody's radar, uh, there's a lot of money being spent on research, etc., those things will be addressed. That will mean that we'll all live a lot longer mm-hmm. and we're going to be retired for a lot, lot longer. longer. And how do you finance that? Mm, exactly. Can so I that's give the next That's issue. right. Can I, can I give you what my crystal ball says? Yes. That will be your next actual change before the cancer thing and that's ai i think that artificial intelligence coming into the homes so you'll be they will talk to their houses they will say can you turn the heat up uh can you ring mary uh i I need this it's uh, what's my bank balance like Hmm. uh and the role that because they'll they'll be like me they'll be computer savvy they will have had a Google Home and they will have started to understand the protest by the time they get to you. And I think that technology mm. will be... And, and that may be even partially robotic. It mm. may be partially robotic. Yeah. That you may have you know, a, a robot that comes around and empties dustbins and you know all that sort of stuff, which they see and as part and parcel of their life. Mm. And I think that my prediction is... That the next big sweep for that for, for in your space, they're the game changers. The things that will game change in their life will be technology. That's well, that that'll have significant impact on the current built form and what mm. is designed for the future. Yep. But the population is going to be so much larger if you know, mm. assuming we find a cure for cancer and dementia. Yeah. That, as you say, these people are going to need to live somewhere. Yeah. And so that's going to change. You know, certainly, the, you know what you're doing. Well, here's the next challenge. Yep. You know, um, we've probably only got a 5% market penetration in mm. the total volume of population that wow. live in independent living retirement villages. Mm. And we would be in all sorts of strife if that was to 
go up by two, three, four percent just because of the the sheer logistics and getting through bureaucracy, town planning, mm. and getting the product on the floor. Is that a fair call? Oh, it and, clearly is. And I, yeah. I, one of the things that hasn't happened yet, but I think hopefully there's some seeds and. Uh, the institutional players where, you know, the large components of capital, retirement funds and so on need to move into this space and uh, that's where the investment's got to come from mm. uh, in order to meet what's going to absolutely be a growing demand. Mm. Because in the end, we'll be the only one, only type of industry, not, and I say this in a nice way, that can actually offer a total life scenario undergirt with the finances to give people a sense of well-being and, and a, you know, Finish well in their life. Mm. So mm. feel cool. Mm. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be. Oh, it's, we're, we're in a great industry. It's fantastic. Mm. 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 Yeah, it really is good. And is, is it one of the top growth industries? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But is it the top? Health, health, health is. Health. Yeah. Yes. As is our sector. Yes. Mm. Like when you understand the scary dynamic that in the next ten years in Victoria, the number of people who are over eighty will double. Mm. Yeah, I think you gave us those. Figures one way. Yeah, Pete, I did. You haven't listened to my um, broadcast last last year, did you, mate? Gave all those figures. We had a good <laughs> scared brother, you know, to death. We oh no, it was, yeah. no. It was, but the thing is, if you if you got to aim for something, so if yeah. you if you're ignorant of it and you're flying under the radar and you can't see where you got to be, mm. you know. And if you draw from that stat, Tom's just said that our market penetration is about five percent. So if we did nothing. To improve our market penetration, our market's going to double um, in the next ten years. Mm, Correct. Wow. And and when you understand what that means with units on the ground, there are around about two hundred thousand retirement village units in Australia at the moment. Correct. Yeah, about just under three hundred thousand people living in mm. independent and, living retirement. And clearly, there's a bit of growth going on, but nothing like another two hundred thousand being built. No. Or right. planned in the next yeah. ten years, so it's it's a bit of a concern. I think, it, I think the other thing you'll see in the next mm-hmm. ten years is that you will be potentially printing those houses on site. Print, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Well, they're already He's doing. He's taking it. the technology to no, a no, they, degree. The, yeah, the Chinese have already printed concrete houses. Yeah, yeah, and they just put up the the this machine mm-hmm. and it just goes round and squirt, 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 and it ends up building a house mm. and i and i and because they are the same it's not as if there's a you know three story or two story and you know they're all the same they'll just go ka chunk mm. and I, I think that the as you the, a very interesting part is, as you were talking about is that build blueprint yeah. and how that will change mm. and i think that that's a really inter- fascinating area for for architecture and i oh, look it's huge i like they're like giant photocopy yeah. machines, effectively, mm. aren't yeah. they? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's the technology. Oh, that's interesting, Brody. I've never really thought about that sort of stuff. Um, virtual reality could be the future yeah. as yeah, well. I, I think it, it's certainly going to. There's a new thing which is a Panasonic wall. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's literally the size of that wall, and it's a standard television set, except that it comes in panels. And uh, you will literally, you know, we'll be sitting here having a dinner and saying, uh, what are we eating tonight? We're eating French. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, Google, could you change my wall to Paris, please? Thanks very much. We'll be sitting there looking at it. <laughs> and, and that's not, I mean, that's not, that's not projected. That's actually, you know, literally around the corner. Would you really need to do that, though? I mean, look at Paris while you're eating French. Yeah. Why not? The other side of that coin, though, is is the people who, I'm talking computer technology now and People who have a a bad 
idea and want to come into your home. Mm. 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 And like security is a major mm. issue. Isn't mm. it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether um, the technology is up to preventing that happening, where people can come in if you have a completely online house with you know your Google mm. whatever your new Apple equipment. Um, can you stop people coming in under electronically, the radar, mm. electronically mm. and then fiddling and then holding you to ransom to things? Because at the moment we all know we've got our computers and we've got viruses coming in and yep. fiddling with that, but you, you can sort of control it. But once you start mm. putting all of your life out there mm. in your home um, and and your you know your lights, you turn your lights on and off with your phone or whatever. Mm. Well, but uh, but yeah. don't forget where we, who we're talking about here. Mm. Is that they're actually going to? They don't care, really. No. By then, they just really want to say, "Can you turn the lights down, please, George?" Mm. Mm. That's all they want. And and once they get used to it, I know that even with my little Google Home, it, it's still. I mean, just people walking. It doesn't doesn't do that, does it? Of course it does. And they they try and fox it by choosing the weirdest piece of music and say, "Yeah, I'll play that." They play. And they go, "Oh, it's not possible." And it and yet it's got the brain of a you know brain of a mouse. It's got nothing, nothing very special about it. Mm. Anyway, That's 40 exciting. years. It's very exciting. Yeah. And uh, and you will be, you, well, Tom, you're developing, you, you're you not a mono-site owner. No. You have you have several. So you, uh, the difference which, you, in, and I, I guess with the Glenn is that you've got what you've got mm. and the blueprint is there, but you've got uh, a, a, you know, a deck that you'll be able to say, well, I can change that and I can build yeah. that there and, so there's a difference between the two of you. There is. One is you've, mm. you have an experimental opportunity. Look, I, I'd have to say that I do. Um, the, the, actually, this philosophically again, um, when we first talked about this, I think the idea of the Village Glen Rosebud was always going to be the Village Glen everywhere else. Mm. Yeah, there but, was. But there the, was reali- the reality is, is, and I think, what are you up to, about 700 villas now? Yeah. You know, by the time you create a suburb, Pete's mm. got a suburb. Mm. The the sheer, um, the enormity of of time, effort, emotional input, money, etc. Uh, I can probably see why Chaz um, didn't bother going on and doing any more, purely because the, there was enough in front of you looking after a thousand people mm. anyway. Mm. And uh, I think that we as operators have a responsibility to. Um, um, operate within our capacities. Is that a fair call, Pete? There is, and, and you want to you want to be the yeah. best you can be, and you'd rather do it right for you know five, six, mm. seven hundred people than try and actually do everything for mm. ten thousand. It's very rewarding to know everybody. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a personableness yeah. about the village, yeah. isn't it? It's family sort of thing. Mm. And yeah, I think good. Th- there is clearly there are large operators who have villages all over Australia, um, and and they do a fantastic job. We see our niche as more. We know all our people, mm. and we're there for them. It's a family business, mm. Mm. Uh, and that's also very important to our customers. We believe. Yeah. I think when you first took me through the village, Glenn, you said that Chaz wanted to develop a, a, a housing lifestyle of the fifties. Yeah, you know, and he's certainly done that. You yeah, know, yes. whereas everybody to feels connection. like everyone yeah, knew each yeah, other. Yeah, everyone's connected. Each other. Yeah, yeah, it's that connection. Community. Yeah. Community. Yeah. Yeah. Let's discuss briefly what we're going to be doing next week. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, as we said last week, that, yes. um, there's, a, there's a lot of topics we need to talk about, home care yep. and all those things. And yeah. 
the government are pushing us all down the path of living longer, living longer. better, if you remember yep. that term. Yep. Yep. Uh, they're pushing us down the path of supporting people in their own homes for a much longer period. And, and that's Explore obvious to us options. because clearly at the Village Clean now, the average age of entry is 78, 79. Wow. So I told you it was yes. 65 yeah. 40 yep. years ago. Mm. Uh, 20 years ago it was 70, now it's 79. Mm-hmm. So clearly people are living longer, living better. They're staying at home longer, being supported at home longer. We want to talk about how all that works, bro. Terrific. Yeah. Well, you can't can't hear this because it's playing quietly in the background. It's a little bit of music, and it's the iCalypso from John Denver. iCalypso? iCalypso. So we will see you next week. Yes. Looking forward to it. Yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. Cheers. And welcome back to the Age Stage. It's Paula Dunn speaking, and I'm here today with Brodie Gazay, and we have some very special guests today. New guests. We have new guests. New, we, we do from mm. Coast Care Medical. We have Stan Proctor. Welcome, Stan. Hello, Stan. Okay. We've actually reversed that around. I'm from Solve. You're from Solve. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, okay. So you're not from the same company? No, we're not. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. So Stan Proctor from Solve. <laughs> yeah. And Brooke Deacon from Coast Care Medical. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Thanks. Good. So just tell us a little bit about what it is you both do. Do you work in conjunction with each other? Or? Well, as of today, yes, we are. We both have a particular interest in uh, rehab equipment. Um, so our introductions are part of what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. So... Brooke, would you like to introduce what you Yeah, so I'm from Coast Care Medical Equipment. Uh, we have a store in Mornington and we sell rehabilitation equipment down the Mornington Peninsula. For all types of re- rehabilitation? All sorts. So yeah. we do everything from hospital beds down, powered mobility, crutches, wheelchairs. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, and we have three stores. Uh, we have Mornington, Berwick and Carrum down, so we service the wide area. Okay. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So... Uh, Coast Care covers all of the commercial requirements. Where I come in is um, Stan Proctor's my name and I'm a volunteer with Solve Disability Solutions. So Solve makes or modifies equipment if there's no commercial product available. Mm-hmm. So we're completely comp- complementary in that regard. And um, we'd like to talk to you uh, each month about uh, an area of rehab equipment and today it's about scooters. Scooters, Okay. Um, so what do we need to know about scooters? Okay, well, we thought we'd start with an example and, and then talk about how you might make a selection. So, um, Brooke, I noticed from your website that you've got a wide range of scooters and one that uh, really caught my eye is the Easy Rider. Yeah, that's normally the one that catches everybody's eye. Um, that scooter was actually designed really around the motorcycle look. Um, so it looks quite modern um, and it has the bigger wheels just like a motorcycle with the front headlights. So and why why might I need a scooter? Um, when when would I have to look like getting a scooter? Or yes, certainly, yeah. a lot of people decide to go for scooters. Maybe they can't drive anymore, or their mobility is impaired, and they want to head down to the shops, and they just can't make it down there. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're travelling, um, and they find that the travel time um, or the distance that they need to travel while they're travelling is not going to be able to be done either in a wheelchair or on crutches mm-hmm. um, a scooter is a great option of mm-hmm. powered mobility to use how long have, how long have we scooters been in the marketplace 
Um, look, scooters in Australia have been around for quite a long time. It really depends on the brand that you're talking about, but they have been around for quite some years. I think recently scooters have made um, more improvements uh, with the way that they're made and things like that. They're a lot safer, and I think they were a little bit scary to start with, but um, definitely a, a lot safer to use these days with all of the add-ons that they've put in. Well, they were a bit Heath Robinson, weren't they, to yeah, start with? They're sort of you know a, a tricycle with somebody had slapped a motor on it, and <laughs> just to try the experiment. But obviously, mm-hmm. they've become far far more sophisticated oh, definitely so there's all sorts of safety features on them now as well um, you've got turning circle cutouts so that they can't go too fast around corners mm. um, you've got the electromagnetic brakes that they're fitted with that slows them down not to a screaming halt but and some of them enough. go really fast yeah they're also speed limited these days oh good kilometers an hour in australia <laughs> so but we can sort of program them down if need be as well yeah so, yeah great. are they um I know this is a bit weird, and we'll, but you know, is, is there the possibility that uh, the that people who don't need mobility scooters because they don't have a mobility issue, mm-hmm. but would rather than invest in a second car if they're living in a retirement village, just choose to have one to go shopping on? Oh, definitely. So you'll see them all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Up and so that when you shop. see them, they're not just saying, "Oh well." She obviously can't walk. Oh, it's no, not... definitely oh, okay. not. Definitely help for mobility issues. But no, just even just to head down the shops, instead of pulling your car out, you can use wow. a scooter. So mm. you can get a bag to put on the back and a sun canopy and a wing, wing bit like a golf shield. cart. Yeah, yeah, just on a smaller scale. <laughs> yeah. So And most of them of a reasonable size will fit through shopping centre aisles as well. So Damn. you can take them in and even go into the shops with them. So. I think that's pushing it if you're perfectly healthy. I think, mm. I think that's how you live. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you should leave it outside under those circumstances. <laughs> yes, you mentioned the uh, tricycle, and in fact the Easy Rider is a three-wheeled scooter. However, the wheels are quite large, so it's it's reasonably capable out of doors, and it's got a load capacity of 180 kilos. Goodness. So it's uh, yeah. quite a heavy-duty yeah. machine. But we thought at this stage it might be handy um, for your listeners to um, be able to compare machines um, and... Uh, have some idea about what they should look for in um, selecting a machine. So, uh, one of the one of the early things to consider is about is what sort of journeys you want to make, um, and uh, what sort of uh, range do you need. That really translates to what that specification that you look for, and um, the range that a machine can cover is. Um, uh, it's generally stated in the manufacturer's information and it's on uh, the Coast Care website. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an important... But what are we looking at? You can go for... Well, for instance, um, the Easy Rider has got a range of 45 kilometres. Right. Um, and we're shortly going to be talking about a folding scooter, which only has a range of 18 kilometres. So it can vary quite wildly. I've um, quite often seen them on the road. Is that legal? Um, the uh, legal debate with scooters at the moment is quite fierce. Is There's it? actually definitely going to be some regulations coming in mm. in regards to that. There needs it, to be. It hasn't been put in stone yet. 
um, but there definitely has been some questions as to where it is legal and where it's not legal mm. to ride. So, mm. um, but that you will see more of that in the next six to twelve months. Mm. Brooke, I'm, I'm I'm so sorry, but I understand that you're new to radio, but I actually have to get you closer to the. There we go. <laughs> thank That's you. much. Well, you've got such a nice voice too. Oh, is thank it, you. Is when you turn away from the microphone, <laughs> and then you come back again, and it's all. <laughs> So uh, that that's going to make it a lot easier to listen to. So um, yes, so the the the, the this issue, uh, the the political issue with mm-hmm. uh, with you know what they're going to be used for and so on, uh, um, is that a national issue or is that a, a just just state by state? Um, I have a feeling it will become a national thing. I think right. there is already some legislation in other um, states, um, but Victoria is a little bit behind. Um, it is all still up for debate though at the moment. So it has a lot to do with the weight of the scooter that you're actually riding as to where you can actually ride it. Um, and I know that it's being heavily um, looked at at the moment. I know a lot of the scooter suppliers are sending us information, but it definitely hasn't been decided on yet. So. All right, okay. Mm. Mm. Um, the, so we, we've, we've got the, our trike, our trike version, um, and then there's sort of four-wheel versions. For sure. And that's, in fact, the next point that um, Brooke wanted to look at because um, uh, listeners would really want to look at the sort of terrain they're going to cover. Mm, definitely. So, obviously, with the trike, you're going to be able to go into parks and, and off-road more. Okay. Um, you would need to be careful being it, that it is a three-wheeler. A four-wheeler is a little bit more stable mm, to do so. Mm. Um, but if you're going for a travel scooter, then you wouldn't be taking that off-road. It doesn't have the suspension or the wheel size or anything else to do that. So it's kind of like buying a car. You've got to work out what you're going to be using it for yeah. and where you're going to be taking it before you make that decision. So. Is there... Is there a version that could, could, for example, go down on a beach? Um, I wouldn't recommend taking a right. scooter down onto the beach. Right. Um, you could probably take it to, uh, you know, on the on the pier or whatever yep. if you were a mm-hmm. careful yeah, rider. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't be taking okay. it through sand. Scooters are also um, they have batteries in them and a PCB board yeah. on the bottom, so you wouldn't want to take it near yeah, water either. Salt water, yeah. not friendly near water. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah but if you from. but if you wanted to go uh, along a path or the boardwalk or, or boardwalk, anything yeah. like that, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, just definitely not down onto the sand mm. or the water. So right. I don't think you'd make it back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's an interesting point that June you raise yeah. um, because Solve uh, has done several projects where we um, have enabled people to have beach access. So um, one of them from some years back was actually a very simple solution where we actually had plywood panels and the client visited the beach invariably with his two young sons and the idea was simply that they laid out these plywood sheets in front of the scooter. So um, generally where there's a will, there's That's a way. That's clever. And that is clever. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And that's the sort of area that Solve uh, gets involved with. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I like that idea. You just keep laying down planks of <laughs> of marine ply until yep. you, you push yep. them in the sea. Worked a, <laughs> worked a treat. <laughs> it would do. And, it, for, for, and off for you nothing. go. Yes. I think, I think, I think <laughs> that's... Uh, I like that idea a lot. I think that's very smart thinking. Um, so, so the next selection uh, thing that we wanted people to consider was the ease of manoeuvrability. And, uh, for instance, if you're wanting to get around a shopping centre, you'd be looking at having a, a really good uh, tight turning circle. And, again, that's the information that appears on the Coast Care website. Um, and generally it's it's rated as the diameter of the circle that the scooter can cover. So, obviously, the smaller that is... Uh, the more 
uh, manoeuvrable the scooter is. Um, and the other area is the steering effort, which you can really only determine by giving it a try. So, Well, on that topic, uh, I, I would assume that if I was going to come to you, even though I may have a preconception, I should really, a bit like getting a suit made, I should go and see you and see what the variables are. Do you have a sort of test track? We don't have a test track as such. What we do do, though, is when you come in and see us, we'll actually go through all the scooters in our showroom yep. and then we tee up our technician to come out with the couple of scooters that you've chosen to make sure that they're suitable, number one, but you can actually ride them around in the area that you'll be riding them on on a daily basis, so whether it's around um, the roads near your home or to just down to the shops and uh, give it a test drive to make sure it's suitable for the area you're riding. But you don't have a sort of... Um, no race oh, No, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was actually thinking of, of something that was a typical aisle in a supermarket. Oh, okay. No, in, not not a mock-up. We will actually, if you need to go to the supermarket... You'll take, we'll take, take it, take it, don't Yeah, yeah no, we'll meet no, you at the supermarket. That, so. that's, that's terrific. Yeah, no, for that's, sure. And Brooke, is there an age bracket? You know, I mean, I know we're talking about people with disabilities mm-hmm. and there's people of all ages with sure. disabilities, but is there an age bracket that are more prone to the mobility scooters than um, other ages? I suppose there probably is um 60 plus age bracket we do do a lot of power mobility for yeah um not taking away from the fact that i've done some for teenagers so Mm. um we do we do have them as well um through on a regular basis Mm -hmm. so um no so it is obviously more to the the 60 plus age bracket but we do do younger people as well yeah and do you supply like retirement villages or yeah we certainly do do. so yeah we supply all of our equipment to retirement villages we do hire and sale so mm-hmm. we do both so you can actually hire a scooter okay. if you're not okay. sure yeah um we do make sure that you're okay to ride it before we let mm. you take off on it mm. um but we do the technical support as well so we have technicians on staff yeah to come and if you have your own scooter or once you purchase a scooter yep. we can come out and make sure that it's okay and do all the warranty and repairs as well what's the youngest age that you can um for a scooter i think it was 17 Okay, so it's yeah. a bit like the motorbike thing. Yeah, you know, kind of, of, yeah. I sold one of the, the motorbikes that we were talking about before to a third, I think it was 32 or 33. Right. So he bought one of those. He loved it, the look of it. So, yeah, so it's not, I suppose it's not really an age thing. If you just need to get somewhere and you, you straight No, no, I was yeah. thinking, I, I was thinking, you know, somebody who does have a disability. For sure. And they are 11 or something and they would have an electric wheelchair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Is there any, reason why they couldn't have uh, when you've answered the question but i was wondering yeah. whether they could actually go to out instead of using the wheelchair actually use a mobility For scooter sure. yeah as long as they're cognitively able to use this right the yeah. equipment there's no problem at all um and we can get obviously equipment that suits their size mm. and where they need to go so that's the main thing is just making sure it's suitable so. mm. how, how can you adapt these for your in in your side of the business Yes, we do a lot of adaptations, um, frequently around carrying items. Yeah. Um, and so we'll do a customised uh, carry arrangement to, say, carry a uh, four-point walking stick or something like that. Yep. Um, and the other area that Solve Disability Solutions gets involved with is actually moving scooters around. So someone might um, actually want to be able to load a scooter uh, into or onto the back of a vehicle. 
So we've done several projects around that as well. So, Stan, do you have like an engineering workshop or something that you yep, yep. do? Yep. So, this solve sort of work from? volunteers need to have access to a workshop. Yeah. Um, frequently, it's their own workshop, but sometimes it might be the men's shed, mm-hmm. um, which is a great tie-up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyone with a technical background is, is certainly very welcome to solve. Okay. Yeah. And who sets the standards for what you make? You know, are there... well, we we comply with Australian standards wherever okay. they apply. So mm-hmm. we we uh, obviously have to keep those in mind Mm. Um, and we also um, do our own testing so uh, if there's a stability requirement as there is on walkers and wheelchairs we'll actually do the testing on that so it gets certified well it actually needs to pass that before it goes to the customer yeah Yeah. so there'd be somebody who would oversee that part of the quality control yes we we um, almost invariably these days work as a group so um, it's peer-to-peer so Mm -hmm. um, we would have some uh, a second volunteer involved with that part of the project. Okay. Which suggests to me, Brooke, that uh, where in the past convention would suggest that with your business uh, you would say, I've got this trike and it, or bike and it's got everything and I can give you saddles and all these sorts of bits and pieces. But now with the relationship with you guys, it can almost switch the other way and say, we'll give you a bare-bones starter kit for want of a better description now go and see the experts Mm. who will Mm. now sort out specifically what suits you yeah definitely so not everything's going to suit everybody no and sometimes off the shelf is just not going to work yeah so Mm. that's where uh solve come in and we can sell them the equipment and they can take it to solve and have it modified to their needs as yep. well, So, which is a great relationship. Yeah, it is. Do you, do you make unique equipment as well? Well, really, that's our strong point. Right. Um, so if something's commercially available, we're over, overwhelmingly uh, happy for um, for the for the person to go and buy that uh, and, and, uh, and keep that business going. Um, but if there's no commercial product, then Solve Disability Solutions um, can step in. Um, and we're actually almost through having a look at how to select a scooter. Um, and actually storage is something that needs to be considered as well. Oh, well, yeah. yes, you mentioned this folding mm. idea. How does that mm. work? It was- so, uh, well, that, that's, I suppose, with storage with that scooter, uh, that is a travel scooter. So the yoga, uh, Merit's yoga travel scooter will actually fold down and be put in its own suitcase. When you purchase it, it comes with its own suitcase and you fold it down and you can travel with it. Um, you can also fold the scooter on its own and actually drag it behind you like a carry-on luggage sort of bag. Oh, so wow. really good. Once again, it has its own sort of um, use. You mm-hmm. wouldn't want to ride that through a park, but mm. to take on a cruise ship or to on an aeroplane, um, they're they're a fantastic scooter to travel with. Mm. So, so you can you can put that in the hold of an aeroplane. You can. What you need to do with the scooter and it's any powered mobility is check with the airline that you're flying with for the batteries that are in the scooter. So you must make sure that that airline will allow those batteries. Can they so. be disconnected for transport? Yeah. Yes, um, often they're charged on board. Um, that's fitted to the scooter, uh, but almost invariably they can be removed. Um, that particular, the Merits Yoga, uh, only weighs 25 kilos wow. with the batteries. Gee. That's amazing. So it yeah. is amazingly light, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And, um, and so, just uh, this is radio, unfortunately, so we can't... <laughs> so, but describe it to us then. How, how... Um, so it's quite compact. It's a four-wheeler scooter, uh, two small wheels at the front, two at the back. Um, to fold the item, all you need to do is push two levers on the steering tiller, and that pushes down, and then you flick two uh, switches on the scooter itself, and it actually folds up so compact that you put it in a standard-sized suitcase. It comes with its own suitcase, and you literally just pop it in there. Um, yeah. And it has a seat. It has, it has a seat. A seat. Part That's of correct. That. So when you're yep. actually folding it, the seat sort of concertinas down onto oh, the body, wow. and it all sort of folds up together, locks in place, so that you can pick it up and pop it in. And what place. sort of carrying carrying capacity does that? Um, so it's 114 yeah. kilos uh, wow. for that one. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned earlier, but the range is 18 kilometres, so yeah. that would cover a fair bit of shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely, because yeah. you can mm. take it. Almost to the way you're going to start need to go shopping. Exactly, put it in and out of the car, mm. take it to the supermarket. Yeah. So, mm, really yeah. good scooter. I, I would have thought there would have been a market for those to be able to rent on a ship. I would. Have oh yeah, mm. we actually do a lot of rentals to people yeah. who are going on cruise ships. Yeah. So we have a couple of different versions: either pull apart or fold down, mm. um, and very popular for travelling. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, to get around Sydney Airport, that'd be great. Oh, amazing. So big. <laughs> just, to, just flatten the battery on to get to the, get to the check-in to the gate. Yeah. There's something else to keep in mind is we've been talking about load ratings for these machines, and uh, they are always stated uh, as the load rating on the level, uh, on level ground. So if you're looking at doing uh, climbing, then there's... Um, a D rating in terms of the load carrying ability. Now, hang on a second. So you, let's put this in English. <laughs> I know you're an engineer, but let's try to, let's try to let, I'm a bearer of very little brain. So let's start from the, what that load bearing means. Okay. So, um, for instance, the, the folding, um, Merit Yoga, yep. uh, has a flat um, flat ground load rating of 114 kilos. Yep. So if you're going to climb a 6% slope or yeah, something in that sort of area. Hill. Yeah. The, the more degrees that you're going up that hill, the less weight that that scooter will take. So. Oh, I oh. see. And that's why, um, if you are looking to buy a scooter, um, Coast Care will come out. Yes. And you can try the scooter in your particular area. Right. So you can mm. be absolutely assured that it'll climb whatever you need it to climb. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes a huge amount of sense. I, yeah. I get that now. So the, 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 the steeper the, the climb, climb, the lesser the weight. That's correct. For the same distance of performance. That's correct. Or, Lesser performance for the same weight. Lesser, lesser performance. See, I'm and getting my distance. science going here. <laughs> you're flying. You're <laughs> flying. Now, I guess um, some carers, um, maybe f- family of um, a parent who are looking to buy a scooter, might be a little bit concerned about the safety uh, and the aspect of their mum or dad learning to ride a scooter. Yep. And technology has come to the aid in terms of programmable. Uh, controllers. So invariably there's a way of setting up the scooter so that it makes it very easy to learn to drive. Um, and the other aspect is that if you release the um, speed control 
part of the scooter, it auto- automatically brakes for you right. uh, and comes to a, 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 stop. a stop. So for the carers out there, you can relax a little. They are very easy to control and to learn how to drive. So. Oh, they'll, they'll have lane switching preventers on them in the not too distant future. <laughs> Cruise control. <laughs> Tel- yeah. Tes- yeah. Tesla sit back and do AI. Yes, well, it's amazing what you can do with it, with electronics. Um, well, it it certainly sounds to me because we, we're coming up to time. But I, I what excites me about what I've heard today is that you've got two different organisations that have merged. Uh, in a in a synergistic way, which is which is really clever, and uh, the, and the use of mobility is absolutely empirical as we get get older, and this is a very big thing. Uh, it's a very big topic, and we'd be sitting here for days otherwise. So well, it, it makes it a wonderful thing that we've got yes. uh, each month a chance to talk yes. to yes, you guys. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Um, but mm. before we close, um, Brooke's got some vital information for you about her new shop. So as everyone probably knows, we were in Talker Terrace for near on 14 years in yep. Mornington and we've just closed and opened our new superstore on Mornington Tyre Road. So okay. you can now find us at yeah, Unit 5177 Mornington Tyre Road, mm-hmm. right near Vinnie's and Beaumont Tiles and Tackle World. We're in that group of shops there. So, Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Brooke, and thank you, Stan, for coming in today and we look forward to seeing you next month. No problem. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Take care and safe mobility. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, my dear. It does. It does. Another it's, interesting show. Look, it is. And I must admit, I do have to say, I'm looking forward to the next couple of these shows because yes. uh, it may be me that needs one. In the it might be this, me too. We might this, do a duo. I, 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 like, I think that the idea of that folding thing is so clever, putting mm. it on an aeroplane. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's and... and the marine ply ramp system. That, <laughs> yes. That's, that's got my vote. <laughs> Terrific. All right, my dear. Okay. Well, you have a great week. You too. And see you next we'll week. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye now. <laughs>